Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. Oh man, wow, my heart's so moved today. I'm really grateful. Um, that we get the privilege to do this. You know, what Alex was saying was so true. Um, I kind of hit it a little bit prior to him getting up there, but we have a great freedom in America right now um, in regards to our worship and the ability to gather. And I never want to take advantage of that in the sense of, you know what, everybody has this because really everybody doesn't. Some places on the planet don't have a convenience store. I'll never forget the first time I went to Haiti that's when I found out what a, what a convenience store was. And uh, I thought, man, we need to go to the store. And the guy was like, well, this part of, the, of Haiti, we don't have those. And I was like, y'all don't have a convenience store? And it's just the little things, right, that we forget about in America sometimes. But specifically our worship and our ability to gather, it means so much to us. Never want to take advantage of it. Hey, listen, if you brought your instruction manuals today, uh, look at John chapter 1. Uh, John chapter 1, I'm going to read verse, start at verse 19. John chapter 1, I'm going to start at verse 19. John chapter 1. So we've been talking about this thing called union, and I just thought, you know what, I can call it what you want to at this point. We're just talking about Jesus and the gospel, um, but just loving the word union and, and what it means to me as a believer and a follower of Jesus. And I've been really, really impacted uh, by what I'm reading in the Bible as of late. You know, if your heart's tender, you receive stuff differently. Hmm? I said, if your heart's tender, you receive differently. And I'm receiving differently just because of the tenderness of my heart right now. And there's truths that have always been out there, but you try to throw a seed on some hard dirt, it just... Yeah? But if you break open the fallow ground... Come on, Hosea. It's a lot easier to put seed in the ground. And so I've just been really, really moved as of late by reading this love letter. And when you read it from the posture of a son, watch this, or a bride, boy, it differs versus trying to read it like I'm just a servant trying not to get disciplined. Yeah? We've been homeschooled, what? In the wrong home. But we're getting it right. Yeah, we change houses. You ready? John 1.19. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask of him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the who? The Christ. So watch this. Before he told them who he was, he first told them who he wasn't. Listen. Everybody trying to tell you who they are. Tell me who you aren't. And they asked him, saying, what then? Are you Elijah? What a great person to be compared with, by the way. One of the legends of his day. Are you Elijah? He could have said, yeah, I am. But he said, no, I'm not. Are you the prophet, meaning the one Moses spoke about? He said, nope, that's, that's, that's not me. And they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? Watch this. One of the most important questions in the whole Bible is right here. What do you say about yourself? Man, talk about identity. And he said, I am. And watch this. He found himself in a passage written some 700 years before this. He found his identity in the scripture of his day. I love this. He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said. That's Isaiah 40. Now, those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they ask him, saying, why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, if you're not Elijah, or you're not that prophet? And John said, I'm baptizing with water, but there stands one among you. Now, notice that one is capital. It's capital one. There stands one among you whom you don't even know. He's in your presence, but you don't even know it. It is he who's coming after me but watch this. But yet he's preferred before me. <laughs> How does that happen? He's coming after me, but he's preferred before me. Oh, he's the ancient of days. Alpha's coming. 
his sandal strap, I'm not worthy to lose. Verse 28, these things were done in Bethborough beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. And the next verse is what I want to just lay into for a moment. The next day, this same John, John the Baptist or the Immerser, saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, behold, everybody say behold. The Lamb of who? God. Who does what? Of the whole world. Father, let your word do what it was intended to do today. Thank you for the joy of enjoying it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just want to talk about just beholding Jesus for a little bit. You know, this word union, remember, we don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. We have what? We have union with Christ. Having a personal relationship with Jesus is a great place to start, but it is a very pitiful place to finish. If all you have is a personal relationship with Jesus, that is good until the relationship goes bad on your end. Oh, I didn't read today. I didn't pray today. I stumped my toe and I spoke in another tongue today. I got caught in five o'clock traffic and I'm going to be late. And I gave the sign of love to the person in the car next to me on the way home. Whatever it might be for you, personal relationships are great until stuff happens that tries those relationships. So you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, not biblically. You have what the Bible calls a union with Jesus, specifically Paul. He wrote about this term called union. We've learned that you cannot get closer to God. That offends every religious mind in the room. How do you get closer to God? You can't get closer to God than what Jesus has made you. Are you going to read more? Are you going to pray more? Are you going to fast more? Are you going to give more? Are you going to go to church more? I can tell you people that go to church more than anybody in this room, give more money than anybody in this room, probably read, pray, and fast more than anybody in this room, and they cuss more than anybody in this room. They're bound with more lust than anybody in this room. They're close to God. No, you're more religious in regards to religious activity, but you can't get closer to God than what the Son of God, Yeshua, has done for us. Paul would go on to write 164 times that we are in Christ Jesus. That's pretty close. And then he would take it a step further and say, not only are you in Christ, now it's Christ in you. What? I love it, right? The gospel's powerful. We talked about how you and I are God's house. We are his temple. The people, bless their heart, in Jerusalem are waiting for some temple to be rebuilt. Not knowing that Isaiah said, (laughs) 700 or so years before Christ, that God does not live in temples made by the hands of a man. But Paul would write, Know ye not that your body is now the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit? We're God's house. Well, what's God's address? Easy question. What's yours? Where does God live? Simple. He lives in you. Why is that a preacher quote and not a living reality? Why does that not move? Man, if that's true, then when I'm in Home Depot, who's in Home Depot? Man, we need a move of God in my city. Then get out and move. Jesus is sitting on a chair right now, and he doesn't intend on getting back up again. Because it's called the what work? The finish work. Yeah? Watch it now. See, the one, the one piece of furniture they didn't have in the temple of Solomon nor the tabernacle of Moses was a chair because the job of the priest was never done. But Hebrews 1 says that when Jesus finished, it says he sat down on the right hand of God most high. Why? Because you sit down when the job's done. It's finished. You and I are God's house. I like saying it this way. You are divine real estate. You are a house fit for a king. God lives in you. Man, get some lipstick and write that on your mirror. God lives in me. Watch this. God lives in mobile homes. You want to see God move somewhere? Get one of his kids there who actually, who's not an atheistic believer. You know what atheistic Christianity is? It's believers that are non-believing believers. 
The reason we got to do outreaches is because believers are non-believing believers. We got to do coat drives because believers aren't Christians. If every person that put their faith in Jesus put their actions behind their faith in Jesus, then maybe what the, what the minor prophet said, nations could be one in a day. Listen. So we're God's house. God lives in us. If God's not doing something in our area, guess whose fault it is? Mine. So I own my street. It's my street. I'm the set man of authority on my street. And so are you on yours. I'm the light of the world on my street. So I used to think when I was growing up, like I would hear people say, man, you got to take the gospel to the world. Like the chances of you going to 300 countries or however how many they are, that's, that's probably slim to none. I don't know. You might go to seven continents. But you know what my world is? My world right now is Washington Irvine Elementary School because I take my kids there every day. My world is Twin Oaks because that's where I live. My world is Chris where my wife shops or, or Sam's or Costco. That's my world. See, don't, get, don't, don't become more spiritual than God. Well, God, when you send me to the world, I'm going to get serious. No, no, no. I sent you to Norman. I sent you to Dell. I sent you to babysit those kids. Be a light there. I want to see God transform the world. Really? Have you told your neighbor about me? As long as we try to project the gospel of what it can be, we overlook what it can be right where we are. And we, as long as we try to make it complicated, we give ourselves an excuse as to why we don't live out the gospel. But the gospel is always from where we are outward. Listen, every, 100% of the time. Today, I want to share with you just some simple truths, man. If this union thing is going to be real, if being a person of the way, and I don't mean this church. Remember, in the Bible, scripturally, historically, believers were called people of the way because the way was a man. Jesus said, I am the So in the book of Acts, at least three times, they were called people of the way, followers of the way. They prayed the way Jesus did. They did community and family, Charles, the way Jesus did. They had compassion and kindness and love on people who didn't believe what they believed the way Jesus did. They healed people, Novelin, the way Jesus did it. They were willing to... I almost threw my Bible when Alex was talking. They were willing to lay their life down for other people the way Jesus did. People of the way. If this way thing is going to be real, I'm telling you, we got to make some adjustments. And the gospel is extremely inconveniencing. But the reward. Man, it's really inconveniencing me for, for me to eat healthy. Yeah, but do you like to live long? Yeah, but brother, those golden arches. Do, do you like to live long? I ain't saying nothing about Popeye. Steven, I ain't going to do it today. I ain't going to do it. I'm going to tell you a real Popeye story. You, done, you open it up. I had a friend of mine, by the way, that went to Popeye's in the city. He actually got this on video. He ordered some uh, biscuits late at night. He was eating them. He's a, he's a, he's a seven-foot-tall guy. He's big guy, big Rob. He's eating them. He said, man, this tastes a little... He's he down two of them. He's like, man, this tastes a little funny. It's at nighttime. He cuts on the, the light in his car. He said, these biscuits look like they had blueberries in them, but it wasn't blueberries. <laughs> Touch a neighbor and say, mold. This happened last year, by the way. I was like, that's why I don't go to Popeye's. Anyway, I'm going to keep right on going. I bless y'all with that revelation in Jesus' name. I hope you're going there at the, at the church. I just spoiled it for you, didn't I? He said, that chicken good. <laughs> Some people repent. Metanoia. Change the way you think. Right? Charles, I'm trying to help you. Throw up Romans 12, 2 for me in the back, if you don't mind. Romans 12, 2. Listen to what John the Baptist says of Jesus. He says, Behold the Lamb of God, which does what? He takes away what? Come on, it's a talk back church. What does he do? He takes away the sin of the world. He said, Behold him. I was actually looking at some words last night, and I got so far down in this little study that, Behold, 
it was almost like saying, ta-da, like surprise. Like, give your attention this way. But to that Jewish man, it was like saying, surprise, you want to set your, your, uh, your thoughts and your, your direction and your focus, your gaze right here because something's about to happen. Like, so the scripture would say, and behold, the angel of the Lord appeared. Behold, Jesus, the Lamb of God. Look at him. Give him your gaze. Why look at him? That statement, behold the Lamb of God, these Jewish people knew exactly what that statement meant. They knew what the Lamb of God was. The Lamb of God is the Lamb that you've set aside for four days without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. We are going to sacrifice this Lamb. It's got to be perfect. It's got to be without blemish. They understood that, but they had never heard a man called a Lamb. They had never heard a man called a lamb. This is the lamb man. Who is this? Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. No, no, no. no. I, know, I know what a lamb means to cover the sin of a nation, but never the sin of the whole cosmos. Every created thing, this is the lamb of God. And I'm telling you and I, we need to so set our gaze on Jesus that he makes us rethink everything we've learned. That's what's happened to me probably the last three years. He's made me rethink everything. Man, church, family, finances, my health, everything. Behold, look at him. He's going to make you rethink everything. He was fixing to make these Jews rethink everything they thought they knew about Yahweh. In the next three and a half years, as they set their gaze on him, Stephen, they watched him take his thumb and wipe blindness out of people's eyes. They watched him multiply fish and bread. They watched him spend time with the prostitutes of his day. They watched the man who had never sinned go down in a sinner's baptism. They watched him spend time with sinners. They watched him do stuff that they had never done before. Why? Because he came to make them rethink everything. He would often say this. He would say, it's been said to you, but now I'm saying unto you. They taught you this way out of Moses and the law, but now I'm Jesus would edit the scriptures real quick. Well, brother, I just, I, it's the word of God. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can cut people to shreds with this. You better understand what we've been talking about for the last four weeks. All scripture has to bow to Jesus because Jesus is the word of God. I know more people, they worship this book and know nothing about what his breath smells like. The Bible says, no, what did Jesus say? Yeah, their Bible said, stone this woman, and they got rocks. They were getting ready to crush her skull, and were excited about it. And they tried to pit their law up against the Logos, the Word of God. And they threw a sinful woman at the feet of the Word of God and didn't know it. And they said, Moses in the law says we should do this to her. What say ye? Trying to find a reason to stone him too. You're going to try to pit your logic against me? You don't understand that Jesus is the logic of God? Jesus is the logos, he is, which is the root word of logic. He is the logic of God? You're throwing sinners at my feet, expecting me to stone them? Except, I love this, Jesus is not a master of throwing stones. He throws mercy at people. I'm a master at throwing forgiveness at people. Behold him. Look at him. He's different now. He made everybody rethink everything they thought they knew. Listen to Romans 12 too. If this union thing, if you and I are going to walk with a confidence in our faith, I want you to get this. Now, this is the Passion Translation. Listen to this. I'm reading from the Passion. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Listen. Whoa. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed. See, religion always focuses on the externals. At least bad religion. There is good religion. James says, pure and undefiled religion is this. 
So there is good religion, but bad religion always focuses on the externals. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. By the way, this is Paul writing to Rome, and really they were pagans. And he's telling them, stop mimicking, imitating, producing what the culture around you is producing. Your issue is not what happens around you externally. Your issue is you haven't been changed on the inside but be inwardly transformed how? Tell me, by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Jesus, most of us have had faith, but we, didn't, we don't think faith should affect how we think. I'm telling you, faith will affect dramatically how you think. Behold him, why? Because he's coming to challenge everything. Do you know the entryway into the kingdom is this? John the Baptist preached it, and Jesus took his message. He said, repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is what? What does repent mean? It does not mean, say, forgive me of my sins. That's what we invented in America. That's just not what it means in early church history. It literally means change how you think about the kingdom, which really affects everything. For the kingdom is at hand. And if you change how you think, you can enter into the kingdom. And because we haven't changed how we thought, we entered in the church doors and missed the kingdom. We entered into denominations, which by the way, we have over 40,000 denominations in America. Do you understand? We have 40,000 denominations here. 40,000, Mark. How heart-rending is that to Abba? And the scripture says plainly, we have one faith, one Lord, Ephesians, one baptism, but 40,000 denominations. Jesus said, I am the door. I'm telling you what's happened in Rome 2021 years ago, it's happening here. We have let the culture of the world so influence what we do here. If you don't think the culture is fickle, you can't say anything. Look, I'm a Native American Indian. I'm not bothered if you call me Indian. I is one. It was Native American Indians who gave the Washington Redskins their name along with their logo. And people who weren't even Native American Indians got offended that we were called Native American Indians and, and convinced the Native American Indians to change the logo and the name which we gave them as Native American Indians. Cancel culture and offended culture. We will cancel you and we will offend you. We will take up your fence even if you're not offended. And the church bit it hook, line, and sinker. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. And this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful and satisfying and perfect life in His eyes. Man alive. How can I influence the culture around me if I'm exactly like it? I'm telling you, they are not looking for people who live like them and talk like them and think like them. We can't influence them that way. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Salt does not influence salt. Salt is meant to be on something that has no savor to it. But if the salt... But if the salt loses its savor, how can the earth be salted? We are the hope of the cosmos. We are the body of Jesus. I don't want to think the way the culture around me thinks. I don't want to speak the way they speak. I want to be as a man from another planet, and I am. You and I 
are not earthly beings trying to have a heavenly existence. You are a heavenly being having an earthly existence. Do you understand that? And James says your life on the earth is but a vapor that appears for a moment and vanishes away. And if I'm going to have some impact on the globe in my vapor, I got to do it God's way. And I'm telling you, listen to me. This is all throughout the church right now. There is a way that seems it looks influential. It looks famous. It'll make you a lot of money. And it will seem like your life is influential for the moment. The world has found out how to take what we do in church and just wrap it in what looks to be religious, but it's really cultural. If you're taking notes, write this down. I think we got this ready for the screen. If we perceive truth right, the right way, then we can receive truth the right way. We have to perceive truth right. My father-in-law used to say this, how you perceive a thing determines how you receive a thing. There's a lot of people walked up to Jesus. They just saw a good teacher. And so he taught them because they perceived him as a teacher. Other people walked up to Jesus. They perceived him to be a prophet. And what did he do? He prophesied to them because how you perceive a thing or a person determines how you receive from a thing or a person. We have to perceive truth rightly. Why is truth important? Listen to this. John 8, 31 through 36. Put that on the screen for me, please, miss. If you don't mind. Miss Marsha. This is Jesus saying. Jesus said to those Jews, truth is important. Watch this who believed in him. If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. If you do what? One of the two major verses in the new covenant that talk about what a disciple is, is one is abiding in the word. You shall know the truth and the truth of what? It'll make you free. Why does he not set you free? Because if I set you free, somebody can come right behind me and and put chains around you again. He said, I'm not trying to set you free externally, take chains off of you. I'm trying to get in your heart and I'm going to make you free from the inside. And if I make you free from the inside, nobody can bind you. Paul said, he wrote to Timothy, he said, even though I'm bound under these chains, he's writing from prison. He said, but the word of God's not bound. What? Man, you behind bars. He said, no, the word of God's not bound. So much so that all of those even in the royal palace, have been impacted by my life. And they thought I was the prisoner, and really, they the prisoner. Listen. Listen. They answered and said, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anybody. How can you say you'll be made free? Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a what? The boy got quiet right now in that Baptist church. Did you hear that? Whoever commits sin is a what? Slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Truth is important. You shall know the truth. You shall be intimately acquainted with this truth, and it will make you free. Listen, guys, I went to church for probably 18 years of my life, and I was made a lot of things, but free was not one of them. I was made to be condemned. I was made to feel guilty. I was made to feel embarrassed. I was made to feel less than because I didn't preach. I was made to feel less than because I didn't lead a song. I was made to feel less than because I didn't serve. I was made to feel a lot of stuff. I was made to feel guilty and dirty, dirty and distant. And I knew church and church politics, but I didn't know the truth. Because truth is not a principle. Truth is a person. Listen. Listen to what Jesus says. In verse 32, you know the truth, and the truth sets you free. we got to believe differently. You know the truth, and the truth makes you free. Four verses later, verse 36. If the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. So he's saying truth is not something you learn. Truth is a person you encounter. Truth set. Bartimaeus free. Truth set legion free in the Bible. Truth set the prostitute free. Truth made the lepers clean. Truth is a being. Truth is a person. What you believe is important. Perceive it right. You can receive it right. Hosea 4 and 6. My people are destroyed for the lack of what? Knowledge. Well, what you don't know won't hurt you. No, I'm telling you what you don't know will kill you. I didn't know I couldn't go do the monkey bars on the light, on the, on the, on the light pole. I didn't know that. No swing away. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. What we believe is important. Belief determines behavior. Listen, belief determines behavior. You behave the way you behave because you believe the way you believe. Listen, as a man thinketh. 
Again, as a man thinketh, so is he. Paul said, don't be conformed. Don't be molded by the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. Well, what happens when the culture is perverted and twisted? But then I go to church and I'm taught wrong there too. It's like I'm picking the lesser of two evils. And then you find somebody, man, we're actually trying to do it right. We're trying to live as family. We're trying to build this community. But that's just different than the way I was taught. I think I'm going to go back to the way I was taught. I'm t- Listen. We've been homeschooled in the wrong home. People can mean well and destroy your life. Even Jesus said, I was actually wounded in the house of my friends. You cannot separate action from belief. What you believe is important. I'm not going to get done today. You can't separate action from belief because how you behave is tethered to how you believe. You see it? You see it? So watch Isaiah 5 and 13. Throw that up for me, Miss Marsha. This is a great scripture. Isaiah 5 and 13. Therefore, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. What, why did they go? Why were they taken prisoner? Because they had no what? Watch this. Watch this. Any area of your life. This stuff we've been talking about union is so valuable to me. Any area of your life that you don't have knowledge in, you go into captivity in that area. I know people that have a great marriage, but their finances are pitiful because they have some knowledge about marriage, but no knowledge about money. And so watch this. So they excel in one area and they struggle greatly in another area because I have no knowledge about it. Knowledge is extremely empowering. Knowledge is extremely empowering. Biblical Kingdom knowledge will change your life. Any, that's why Satan wants you to be ignorant. Darkness in the Bible is synonymous with ignorance. Light is synonymous with knowledge. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the knowledge really of the world. The knowledge of the kingdom coming into the world. Satan traffics in darkness. He's called the prince of darkness. Why is that? He wants you to be ignorant concerning how the kingdom operates. Well, I've just, I got a personal relationship with Jesus, but how's that really working for you? So, one more time, you got to see, if you're taking notes, number one, you got to see truth as it really is. Truth will offend the hell out of you. I want it to. It will offend the religiousness out of you, and I want it to. I have been so offended as of late, because I'm like, God, this is in the Bible. I don't know, God, it can't be. Because I so want to do something on my own. I so want to perform well for you. I want to say I had something to do with this. He said, as long as you do that, Joshua, you are stifling what I want to do through you. Number two, you got to see truth as it is. Number two, you got to see him as he is. I'm really going to try to not throw this Bible like legitimate. This is right here. It messes with me. I'm going to put the Bible down because I throw. This is good. Behold, 1 John 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. The world does not know us because it didn't know him. Beloved, when are we called children of God? Beloved, now are we the children of God? Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we'll be like him. This is 1 John 3, 1 through 3. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. One more time. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called what? Children of God. The world doesn't know us because it didn't know him. Beloved, watch this. Now we are the children of God. You're not going to be God's child one day. You're God's child now. Well, when we all get to heaven, please quit singing those pitiful songs. Religion always makes you rejoice over what happened a thousand years ago or what's going to happen 10,000 years in the future, but religion robs you of the effectiveness in the present of your faith. 
That's what the Bible says. Now faith is the substance of, not tomorrow faith, now faith is. Before God is the God who was or the God who will be, he is first the God who always is. He lives in the eternal isness. So beloved, now we are the children of God. You're not going to be God's child when you make more money. You're not going to be God's child when your marriage gets better. You're not going to be God's child when your body gets healed. You're not going to be God's child when you get the promotion. You're not going to be God's child when they ask you to preach. You're not going to be God's child when they ask you to lead. You're going to be God's child when you recognize you're God's child. Beloved, now we are the children of God. We're God's child. And my brown skin and my black skin and my white skin and my democratic self and my republic self and my liberty, you're God's child. Many of us grew old in church. We just didn't grow up in church. Listen. Grew up singing songs about when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that we be when we all see Jesus. Will. Sing and, shout and that is not in church history. <laughs> you know what John would say? He'd say, You better behold the Lamb. You better see Him now. Because the God you see is the God you get. Some people saw a carpenter and they got a table fixed. Other people saw a mind restorer. What do you think that prostitute saw when she's pouring out her wedding dowry on his feet? What do you think she saw? A carpenter? No. I see the Savior of the world. The power of God in Scripture wasn't revealed with, the, with our arriving in this place we call heaven, but rather it was revealed through the incarnation, through the coming of Jesus to the earth. Not us going to heaven, but him coming to the earth. That is the gospel. Religion has tried to make us believe that heaven is our home, but the gospel reveals because of union. Watch this. Christ says, actually, heaven's home is in you. Listen. Whatever of him you see is the him you'll be. He just said, this we know, 1 John 3, that when we see him, we shall be what? As he is. Every time you get a revelation of Jesus, it's not for you to stand in awe and worship it. Worship that revelation, yes. But every revelation is a green light saying, now enter into this. Now become this. I want you to become what just got revealed to you. And for years, Pastor Ken, what we've done is we have rejoiced over truth, but we have not incarnated truth. We have rejoiced over truth, but we haven't become that truth. That's why we can rejoice over sermons that say, give your life, but we don't go give our life. Come on. That's why John 1 says this, and the word became flesh. And when the word became flesh, then they beheld the God as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the nation of Israel had word for over 2,000 years in the wilderness, Sean, and nothing really, nothing really ever happened transformationally in their souls. But the day word became flesh, everything shifted. Do you know why word became flesh? So that you and I and our flesh can become like word. Selah. Pause, comment, and think about what you just heard. Word became flesh so that now, even as we behold him, you and I can become like word in our flesh. When we see him, we become like him. When do we become like him? Now. Now. Listen to Ephesians 5.1. If you got that, Miss Marsha, can you throw that up there? Ephesians 5.1. Ephesians 5.1. Man, I love the Bible. Thank you, Jesus. Kim, would you mind just coming to play for me, sir, if you don't mind? Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, Paul writes to the church of Ephesus. He says this. Be what? Of God. How? <laughs> be imitators of God as worship leaders. Be, be imitators of God as people, watch this, 
in ministry. Be imitators of God with people that have big titles. No, 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 no. The best, the best imitator of me is my kids. My son, Honor, has actually gotten pretty good at it. Just being like his dad. See? Jesus would say that he's a chip off the old what? Jesus was the apple that didn't fall far from the of Abba. He said, when you see me, you see my I'm his son. The clearest image you have of him is me. How do I see him rightly? Man, be an imitator of God is dear true. That word imitate in the Greek is the word mimitos. It's where we get the word mimic. Mimic him. He gave of himself. He was kind and compassionate. Jesus said, when a man asks you to go a mile, don't go a mile. What did Jesus say do? He said what? Go to. In his day, a Roman soldier would be riding a horse. And, you know, a Roman was oppressing Israel. They could walk up beside you and say, hold my coat, which was heavy. And, and their custom was that meant you had to walk beside that man regardless of what you were doing for the next mile holding that heavy coat. Jesus said, people that don't even know me do that. He said, but when they ask you to do it, when you get to the end of your mile, say, can I tote it another mile? What, what do you think that soldier's going to do? He's probably going to say, why, why, why do you want to do that for? Because this life, man, this life of union, can I be, I'm going to be honest with you, this isn't strenuous. It would be strenuous if I was trying to do it by myself. And I did that for years. I'm trying to be a better Christian. I'm trying to live pure. Come on. I'm trying to keep the law. I'm trying to be a good boy. But that is not new covenant verbiage. Rather, it's I'm the vine and you are the branch. Just abide in me in union and my sap will flow through you. Huh? This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Last but not least, let me try to finish. Number three. Number one is you got to see truth as it is. Number two, you better see him as he is. And if you see him rightly, that is the only way you get to see yourself rightly. Number three, see you as you are. Well, how am I? Matthew 3 and 17. The father spoke this over Yeshua, the son. He said, this is my beloved son. I put my name right there in my Bible. Because you know what he's speaking over Jesus? just what he would have spoken over Adam, we were all in Christ. And I'm telling you, the father would say, Novlin, you're my beloved daughter. Sean, you're my beloved son. Ben and Bree, you're my beloved kids. He's speaking over all of us. You're my beloved. You know who you are to Abba? Ephesians chapter one, verse four. Man, this is so rich to me. This is so rich to me. Just as the Father chose us in Jesus before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. How does he see you? Well, through the Son, he sees you as being holy and without blame. Yeah, but you don't know what I said yesterday in traffic. Holy and without blame. Quit letting your earthly condition override your heavenly position. The earth does not change the heavens. The heavens influence the earth. And God said, before you arrived on the planet, I had already said of Novelin that she will be holy and without blame before me in love all the days of her life through my son. My reality on earth will never change that. But boy, that reality will change me. It's happening in my guts, the deepest part of me. What about 1 John 4, 17? What if you could see yourself this way? Love has been perfected amongst us in this, that we may have boldness now in the day of judgment. Ready for this? Because just as he is, so are we in this world. What? As he is writing this, he's writing this when Jesus is sitting beside the Father. And he's saying, just as Jesus is right now beside the Father, you are that way in this world. Man. Are you hearing this? John 15 and 5. If his sap flows through me, then we aren't never separated. Then that means, and I'm done, then anybody that I'm touching, then Jesus is touching them. That means when I lay hands, Jesus is laying hands. Huh? That means when I'm encouraging somebody, 
the Spirit of God through me is encouraging somebody. Enemy makes us focus on our condition so that we forget our position. Positionally, you are joined to Christ Jesus. Come on, stand to your feet with me. Positionally, you are one in Jesus. Positionally, you can never be separated in Jesus. Positionally, you and I don't need to press into God because God pressed into us. You don't have to strive to get closer. I love the song because it moves my heart, but I'm telling you, the verbiage is pitiful. I want to be close to you. Sounds amazing, right? Written from a pure place, but the, theology-wise, it's way off. He would say, you don't have to want to be close. You are close. If my wife is walking by me saying, Josh, I want to be close to you. I want to be close to you. I would say, sweetheart, what are you not recognizing? Because you are. If my kid is in my hands and I'm holding him, I'm saying, Daddy, will you please hold me? Daddy, will you please hold me? It's letting me know somewhere there's a disconnect because I, I am. And the father would say, son, you're in me and I'm in you. Religion brainwashed you. It made you think you got to try to get close to me. Watch this. We don't have to chase God anymore. Bless Tommy Tinney and God chasers. But I'm telling you, the first book I ever read all the way through, and it wrecked me, and it started me on a journey. But I found a more excellent way. I found a more excellent way. Now, if any man be in Christ, watch this. The old is what? You know what most of us believe? We believe the old is slowly passing away. I'm telling you, that funeral has already happened. It's not slowly leaving. It's passed away. We, I'm going to stop right there. We got to see truth correctly. I'm telling you, we got to see correctly. You know what I chewed on this week? I chewed on Galatians 2 and 20. Where I have been crucified, past tense, with Christ. I wasn't there. I never saw that cross. I mean, I've been to Golgotha where they said it happened. But I wasn't there 2021 years ago. You know what Holy Spirit said in my heart? He said, Joshua. He said, oh, you were there. Yeah, 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 I was. I was a thief hanging next to you on the cross, Jesus. He said, no, 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 son. He said, your cross was much more intimate than that. You were not a thief hanging on the cross, Joshua. He said, you were in me hanging on the cross. I was there not just taking your place. Jesus didn't just die for us, union. He died as us. Co-crucified. Whoa. Co-buried. Whoa. So that we could one day be co-resurrected. This is the gospel of Jesus. I want to say this over you today as we close that I just really sense that reconciliation is a real thing. I mean, reconciliation is a real thing because of Jesus. For every person under the sound of my voice, one, I want to say this. I could call you by name. I know you struggle right now with relationships. You want authentic, genuine relationships. I want to say this. You don't need another group. You need family. And there's some family in this room. There's some family in this room. God knit you to be a part of a family. Secondly, we can't let a sin we committed make us feel like we're separate from the God who said, I already forgave your sin. And then you'll come back a month later or two weeks later and get forgiven of the same thing. No, no, I'm telling you, your sin has been dealt with by Jesus. Now, let that inward transformation happen that he promised he wants to do. We've got to see truth rightly. Jesus. Jesus. I want to do this. If you're in here and you've never been awakened to the reality of the son living in you and his plan for your life, I would love to introduce you to my best friend today. His name is Jesus. Man, he's alive and well. You know what I found out? Man, sometimes he'll call me all times of the night. I went to bed at 3 o'clock this morning. You know what I was doing? Hanging out with Jesus. Went to bed tired. Woke up extremely refreshed at 6 o'clock to come here. 
He'll call you at random times. What are you doing? You know all things. What are you talking about? What am I doing? You see what I'm doing. You know exactly what I'm doing. I'll never forget one time I'm watching social media and I'm looking at memes. And in my heart, he said, that's funny. And I'm like, what are you doing? You laugh, that person tripped. He said, that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. He's a good friend. He's a great friend. He's the friend that scripture said sticks closer than a what? A brother. If you're in this room today and you've never been awakened to the beauty of Jesus and you'd like to do that today, I would love to introduce you to my best friend. Hey, here's how I'm going to do it. If that's you, I'm going to just count to three. Just lift up your hands. I would love to pray with you and also connect you to some family. One, two, three. Anybody in the room? You want to be connected. So maybe we're all good. I want to do this next thing. Sin is a real thing. It will destroy your life. But I also want to tell you that sin has already been dealt with. Our problem is, is we have approached truth through the wrong lens and we see it wrong. I'm telling you, you don't got to try to get close to God. He lives in you. I'm telling you, you're not trying to become a son or a daughter. You are one. What more could your natural kids do to become yours? It's kind of crazy, isn't it? How much more? The God of the universe. But yet we're still struggling in that area. I want to tell you this. You're his and you can't do nothing about it. You can't run away from it. You could, you could walk out of here and shake your fist up at God and say, I want nothing to do with you. And he would still say, if it was just you on the earth, I still would have given my son because I love you that much. This is the gospel of Jesus. Father, I pray reconciliation right now over broken relationships horizontally with one another, but also vertically with you. And I pray that the truth, that you're the vine and we're the branch will be theirs. I pray the truth that we are your sons now, as John said, would penetrate their souls and any kind of blockage or hindrance would be overcome by the truth that you shed blood to forgive that thing. In Jesus' name, I say that it is so. In Jesus' name. All right. Everybody take a deep breath. Come on, release that. Come on, one more time. Take a deep breath. That's reconciliation and release that. Wonder how easy worship is? One more time, take a deep breath. Let's slowly worship to Abba and release that. He's with you this week. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.